Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Songlines and Tan Lines podcast, a place to take a momentary break from your day-to-day routine. Those returning, thank you. The support is greatly appreciated. Those new to this podcast, welcome. And if you like what you hear and are not a subscriber, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's pull up the anchor and set sail. On Instagram, one of my followers named Hungry Hard Luck reached out to me and told me they had been performing the song Ace from Jimmy's lost album, High Cumberland Jubilee. I thanked him for reaching out and told him I would give him a shout out on the podcast. He's a part of a group called Hungry Hard Luck Heroes, a tribute to Jimmy Buffett. The song you heard to open the show was their cover of Son of a Son of a Sailor, and I really like it. They nailed it. If you follow the link in the description of this episode, you can check out all their videos on YouTube. Well worth your time. Moving on, this week, a revisit to two of my past episodes. And I thought it would be a good time to revisit these episodes because they are relevant to the albums I have recently covered. They are from some early shows Jimmy did back in the early 70s, right around the time he was starting to climb the ladder of fame. I found this album by accident on YouTube Music and then dove into a rabbit hole after that. When I finally pulled myself out of that rabbit hole, I was on a website called Wolfgangs.com. This is the place where you can purchase these two concerts. Wolfgangs apparently has a ton of stuff on there from Jimmy and many other classic rock artists. I encourage you to check out that site when you're done here. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into the first episode. Thanks for tuning into the Songlines and Tan Lines podcast. Now let's get into this first bonus episode. Have you heard the Fuji Wuji song by Jimmy Buffett? Here it is. Song I wrote for uh oh uh oh. Here comes <laughs> this is Bear Step. Song I wrote for all the old Old folks back home on Bourbon Street. They need a horn section. Where's the horn? Well, now I put my teeth on Gumbo Rock to Benny Spellman and Doc John. Sweet Emma Thomas and Frogman. Henry used to boogie woogie all night. Though I love rock and roll, the acoustic guitar was the only way. 
saxophone. Big baritones clean up the muddy brain. If we had saxophones, we could get some recognition from that Mobile, Alabama DJ. Well, now living by the ocean, sometimes I get the notion to take my Janie downtown. And we hang out in a funky little bar, they call it the Shipwreck Lounge. Where we get kind of drunk and we play rock and roll, grabbing everybody right down in the soul. But once we get to cooking, something's still wrong. There's still something missing from them good old songs. But if we had saxophones, good God, yeah, big baritones cleaning up the muddy creek. If we had saxophones, we could make that joint shimmy like a big California earthquake. Yes, that is saxophones from Living and Dying in Three-Quarter Time. I stumbled onto this album on YouTube Music called Live at the Record Plant 1974. Not sure where it came from. I can't seem to find it anywhere else. Here are the other songs on it. The Wino and I Know, Pencil Thin Mustache, They Don't Dance Like Carmen No More, Trying to Reason with Hurricane Season, Door Number Three, Livingston's Gone to Texas, Railroad Lady, Dallas, which is really different. Pirate Looks at 40 are all the songs on that album. And uh, it was a great find, and I just wanted to share it. I love the banter in it. I love the rawness in it. It has a lot of good humor in it. All the songs are stripped down and acoustic. It's fun to listen to, and I encourage you to seek it out. Um, email is zombiebeach3 at gmail.com if you want to share your thoughts. That's it. Time to set sail. Thanks for listening. After posting that episode, I did another one once I found out a bit more information about the show. So let me now go ahead and play the second episode. Hello and welcome to this third bonus episode. An episode I hope will clear up some confusion in my mind and possibly yours. Since stumbling onto the album Live at the Record Plant 1974, on YouTube Music, it has stirred up a whirlwind of confusion in my mind. I wondered where it came from and how this loyal parrot head missed it. And then a friend tipped me off to a site called wolfgangs.com 
and like a shining beacon on a cold dark night, there it was. This mysterious recording, which is actually two recordings done in the year of 1974. One in February of that year, and the other in October. What I found on YouTube Music is a playlist of sorts, featuring songs from both concerts. I don't know how it is on YouTube Music, but I think the picture I used for this episode and the previous one was fan-made. Oops, it's a great cover, and whoever did it, you did a great job. Let me let all that settle for a moment, take a deep breath, slow down, and play you another song from these two recordings. This song, Peddler, Not a Pusher, is from the February live session. Here it is. They're running out of gas for your automobile. The only way to get it's gonna know how to steal. Or push your car home till your back starts breaking. I'm sorry now, kid, is that too much to take in? I wanna be a peddler, not a pusher. Can't wait till they find that new gusher. Skinny tires and wires. I really like this one. It's classic Jimmy. A before the beach Jimmy kind of sound. I would love to see this wind up on a CD or box set someday. We need a release of rare songs. We need it, Mr. Buffett. And the blurb on that side about that February show starts out like this. For nearly four decades, singer-songwriter Jimmy Buffett has been a mainstay on the American musical landscape. Although he's only had a handful of radio hits, Buffett has turned a musical career that had been under the radar in the beginning into a multi-million dollar entertainment franchise. Although his recording career has had ups and downs, with Buffett often jumping back and forth between being a pop, folk, balladeer, and country artist, he has maintained one of the largest and most solid active fan bases outside of the Grateful Dead. This recording was done in February of 1974, when he was still building his career and establishing a signature musical niche and image. Buffett was promoting Living and Dying in Three-Quarter Time, the album that gave him his first chart single, Come Monday. That record, although still very much embracing the beach bum persona he would firmly establish later on, is deeper and lyrically more focused than his previous releases. Some songs, such as Come Monday, do have the heartbreak attached to divorce. And it was recorded at the record plant in Sausalito, California, as part of KSAN-FN's concert radio series. Interesting to learn all that. But I am not done. No sorry, Bob. You tuned in for some information, and boys and girls, you're going to get it. I want to now explore the second recording, done in October of that year, but before I do that, it's time to open door number three. Oh, now, Monty, 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 I am walking out your hall. Oh, I got beat, gave up my seat. But I'm not a man to crawl, though I didn't get... Another classic, another great song, and I love hearing it like this. I love hearing these alternate versions. It's why I started this podcast, to unearth not only songs on albums, but to find lost treasures. And the blurb from that site about that October show starts like this. 
Jimmy Buffett has got to be the only artist in contemporary music to take a novelty top 10 hit and turn it into a bona fide entertainment empire. In 1977, after releasing the laid-back leisure anthem, Margaritaville, which I will explore in a later episode, be on the lookout for it, and embarking on its humor-filled summer tours, Buffett quickly began developing a core fan base to rival only that of the Grateful Dead. Called Parrotheads, these hardcore Buffett fans have made his fun-filled live shows a full-fledged entertainment experience. Buffett took what he saw as a growing empire and rolled it into a full-service corporation that included restaurants, bars, clothing lines, and record labels, all tied around his cocktails and good times mentality. Originally merging from Nashville, where he migrated in the late 1960s, Buffett tried his hand at both folk and country music. He was signed to the CBS division Barnaby Records and released two albums that quickly went nowhere. By the early 1970s, he had moved to Key West, Florida, where he realized life was moving considerably slower than the rest of the world. Beaches, tropical drinks, and loud Hawaiian shirts seemed to be the order of the day, and Buffett was not only inspired lyrically by the lifestyle, but also turned it into a huge musical franchise. This recording, the October one, comes after the release of his second ABC Universal album, Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time, in 1974. By now, he had formed the Coral Reefer Band and had adapted the happy, drunk musical persona. This is a very loose and early look into the musical legend Buffett would eventually become. For Parrotheads, this recording could be the Holy Grail. I am so glad I have found these recordings. And Wolfgangs.com, take the time today to search through that site because it has a treasure trove of stuff from Jimmy, as well as many legendary musical icons. The About Us section is one I would recommend. It will tell you in great detail all you will ever need to know about that site and who runs it. Email is zombiebeach3 at gmail.com if you need to spill your conch shell about anything at all. That's it. Time to set sail. Thanks for listening. Cool stuff, right? Always love finding little nuggets like that. Really makes the time and effort I put into this podcast worth it. Might be time to unearth some more Jimmy Buffett rarities. I haven't done that in a while. Do you know of rare Buffett songs? Send them to me and I might feature them one day. Let me drop anchor here and close out the episode. You can hear my voice talking about music on the Audible Ecstasy podcast and talking about horror on the Nightlight Tales podcast. And stay tuned after the ukulele plays. I'll be reading a bit more of the Tale of the Golden Pirate. Arr! And don't forget to check out the show notes where you can find all my social media areas, where to buy my books and my Patreon page. No video this week. Trying to catch up. That's it. Thanks for listening. Cheers and aloha. All right, back to the book. Get it on Amazon in ebook and paperback and on my Patreon page for $1. Let's get into it. Parson finished up with his task and placed the orders on a clipboard. A routine check of the machine and then Parson climbed aboard, slipping into the small cockpit of the stand-up forklift. He strapped himself in and got started. The day passed. In fact, ten hours passed before Parson was finally released from his job and allowed to go back home. 
His body ached, and so did his mind. Sunday was only one day, one full free day from work, and then he would be back to it on Monday morning. There really wasn't going to be much of a weekend. When Parson reached his home, the night had already settled in. The first thing he did was get a shower. The second thing he did was get some food. The third thing he did was sleep, and he slept soundly until the clock woke him up the next morning. Parson slipped out of bed and stretched himself awake. He turned on the weather and suited up according to what they were forecasting. It was going to be about 40 degrees, and the wind was going to make it at least 10 degrees colder. He covered himself accordingly, long sleeve with a short sleeve over it, long pants, thick socks, and compression sleeves. I hate running in winter, Parson said this to the empty house, as the wind blew against the eaves in a taunting way. He looked over at the map and then went into the kitchen and made breakfast.